Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Andrea. We are bringing you the Real Moms Real Life Podcast, your guide to self-empowerment and taking on each day as your best self. This is episode number 70. Today, Andrea and I are talking about emotional triggers. Let us know if there are any topics you would like to hear. Don't forget, all the resources on this podcast are meant for information purposes only and not to be confused for medical advice or treatment. Hey, Andrea. Hey, Beth. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Um, Yeah, I don't feel like I have a whole lot to report this week. I um, Actually, I want to share an experience because I feel like it relates to our topic this week. And Mm. I think it's important to bring light of things like this. So last night, I went to a mom's night out. It was like a working's mom's night out. It's been planned for about a month. And it was, was at this bar and they like somebody reserved a table and it was all good so I get there maybe five minutes late and I'm the only one there and then I start like looking on the Facebook group where we plan the event and I'm starting to see those posts like hey something came up I can't make it and oh I'm sick and even like the person that organized the event was sick and it was just and then so it started at 7 I got there at 7.05 someone else got there at 7.20 and we ended up being the only two people that showed up. And for me, it was like, you know what? I still got out of the house. I didn't have to do bedtime. I got a nice meal. I got to go hang out at Whole Foods by myself afterwards. And I didn't have to go to bed too late. So I had, you know, a nice time. But the person that I was with was so irritated and so angry about the fact that, like, this event happened, and I can't believe that all these people flaked, and they were really, she was really triggered by it, and that in itself, like, could have been a triggering experience for me, but I was like, you know what, I still got out of the house, so this was okay. So, I just wanted to share it because it happened to me last night, and I feel like it's a, it talks about our, uh, our topic ongoing a little bit, but I want to see how you're doing (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm glad you had a good time anyways. I feel like that sucks when that happens, but that's awesome that you got out of the house. Um, I'm doing okay. It's been like a weird past week, week and a half of very much trying to practice what I preach um, because right now there, are, <laughs> my husband's job has, let's just say it, let's be blunt, has completely fucked him over and um, just gone back on their contracts, basically. I mean, hopefully, no, I don't can't imagine anyone would listen to this and hear this, but whatever. Um, like, I mean, it's basically cutting our income in half on like starts next paycheck notice. And um, so it's been a lot of just self-management, like it's a situation that very much affects me, but is also out of my control, you know. So it's just like okay, managing myself, figuring out what we're going to do. Like, I think had this happened a year ago, my reaction, emotional reaction would have been very different. So I feel like for the most part, I'm staying pretty like, I have my emotions about it, but I'm managing them and not letting it fall into this huge, like catastrophization spiral, which it normally would have been in so that's good because that doesn't help anything it just makes everything worse um so yeah there's that that's it's fun that's that sucks that is so hard like short notice anything 
I mean, I I think you're doing awesome. The fact that you're managing your emotions, I think, you know, recognizing them and feeling them is also good. But like, yeah, it's it is it is important to like be like, okay, this is really shitty. We just got screwed over. Okay, <laughs> feeling it now. What what is the next step? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I like feeling it. Like we've talked it out and stuff. It's just. Yeah. If I let myself go down like a certain spiral, it's not, it goes past the point of helpful feelings and gets into the point of non-helpful spiraling. So yeah, well, so we're still, it's still like a little up in the air and that he's still trying to like get back at them and being like, is this negotiable? And they're just like not really giving him good answers and stuff right now. So um, anyways, there's that. So <laughs> So moving on to our topic of the week, which is all about emotional triggers. So I feel like that was like my uh, like uh, narrator voice. Moving on to the topic for the week. Anyways, so we all have emotional triggers and it could be anything. It could be your husband losing his job. It could be your child refusing to poop on the potty. It could be... Uh, watching somebody do something that you're like, oh, maybe I should be doing that. Maybe it's something like seeing someone breastfeed and knowing that that was something that was hard for you. There are so many different emotional triggers, and I'm going to let kind of Andrea get us started with this topic. All right. So yes, like Beth said, this is like all covers a whole like myriad of topics. And this is really talking about that moment where you see something or read something or someone says something to you and it just like triggers you. And from this, like, you know, maybe from an outside perspective or when you can like stop and look back on it, you realize that like, wow, that was a really intense emotional reaction to like an otherwise fairly, like maybe somewhat neutral thing that happened. And the inspiration for talking about this was one, it happens to me a lot. So I'm just good at this and have been really working on like managing and have really changed how I manage my reaction to that. Cause I used to be like someone who got triggered like constantly. And I've worked on that a lot, but also I just saw this really beautiful post the other day on, it was like on Instagram or something. And it was like, this like really cute quote or something about like accepting and loving and just like really knowing our toddlers, who they are, like something really simple. And the top response was this mom who was like, Hey, I know this isn't probably meant to feel like make me feel shameful, but I feel so much shame when I'm reading this. Like, um, she's, she was saying that she felt like it made her feel like anything her kids did wrong was her fault. And that anytime her kids were behaving in a certain way, it was her inability to parent that and that she's like completely failed her kids. It was this really long post. And it just got me thinking because I know I felt that way about a lot of things too. Things that were like supposed to be positive. They're supposed to be this like, you know, inspirational quote. And all of a sudden it leaves you feeling like, eh, you know, like those things like get up and take on the day. And you're like, fuck you, I'm tired. You know, like it's like, why are we so like triggered by this. And I think this is such an important topic because I do think it gets a little bit glossed over or sometimes we work a little too hard in our culture to like make sure no one is triggered and everyone's happy. But the reality is, is like, we can't do that for everyone because literally, you know, seeing a butterfly could trigger someone. Actually, yesterday we had a patient in the clinic and my friend was telling me or my coworker was telling me about, and she is triggered by the color yellow. We cannot use a yellow. She cannot use a yellow TheraBand on her. 
Um, she cannot, cannot wear the color yellow when she sees her. Like literally it's a color and this very much triggered the patient. So like, and I think, you know, I'm, I'm going to say this patient in particular, I'm just going to throw this one in there. It's like, she's trying to live her life by controlling it and pushing yellow out from around her by telling her therapist that she cannot wear yellow, that she cannot use a certain resistance band because it's yellow. And I think this type of response of to try to like remove the trigger is a very common one. And you know what? Sometimes you got to remove the trigger and that's cool. But sometimes, and what I want to get into to, to today is really taking a step back and examining why is this thing triggering me? What is that trigger trying to tell me? And is there something productive I can do with that? Um, and and I, I want to just emphasize for the purpose of this episode, we're specifically talking about that piece of like looking into it. Um, I'm definitely like, you know, Beth was talking about earlier is like, Hey, you just got to feel your emotions. Like, yes. Like sometimes the color yellow triggers you and you just got to like push it away for however long until you're ready to deal with it. Like that's totally cool. Now we're kind of getting to the point where you're like, all right, like I'm ready to deal with my trigger. Does that make sense, Beth? Sorry. I had a little bit of trouble (laughs) getting the uh, (laughs) mute button unclicked. Yes, that definitely makes sense. I... I think it is. It's important to to notice that like, hey, may, may not always be the right time and place to deal with the trigger. But what we want to talk about today is how do you how do you manage it? How do you recognize what's going on with it? What can you do about it? What you know, can you see the purpose of it? And and why are you feeling it? Um, and again, it may not be able to be dealt with in the moment. You may be scrolling through social media and get triggered. And like, you have to be you know, your baby starts crying that minute that that happens and you need to go change a diaper, feed a baby, all of these things. So you may not be able to deal with it right then and there. But that is sort of the, okay, put that in the back of your mind. Okay, this was triggering. Let me figure out later why this was triggering. Totally. Um, and the other reason in this, in the like mom posts, particularly that I was talking about earlier where it came up. And I, again, I think this is really common that we kind of like push these things away and try not to deal with it. What I think it stops us is it goes back to that episode that we had between that like gap between knowing and doing. And I think these emotional triggers are many times a huge reason that we have that gap. Like we know we should do something and we just cannot quite seem to do it. So in particular for this mom, she clearly was following this woman who is, you know, a positive parenting, you know, respectful parenting, you know whatever influencer on social media, whatever the hell that's called. And um, so she's clearly, it was something that she was interested in, wanted to do. And then like was, you know, by again, I'm just going by this one post of her. I'm not trying to analyze her. She was having trouble doing it. And I see this a lot in the positive parenting world. I'm on like a bunch of different groups and whatnot. It's people are like, or even just like in posts that I see on Facebook, it's like you have this positive parenting type quote, and the, the responses are like, yeah, well, that's great, except my t- toddler's an asshole or like, that's great, but I'm angry about it. It's like this like disconnect between the parents, like they can't do that because they can't manage their own emotions. And uh, hello, that was like very much me. Like, had I not delved into like the world of life coaching pre-mom, like, oh my God, I would be a completely different parent today. And that's not a bad thing. It's just where I would have been when I had my child and I would have had to I would have had a lot more, I know with, without a doubt that I would have been that parent that like 
was very emotionally triggered by my child that had a very hard time managing um, my own emotions around like probably little things my kid would do or does now that now I still manage it, but I'm like able to manage it because I practiced it so much. So I think when we are just kind of shoving it away and we're like, whatever, that's their parenting style. This is my parenting style. I don't want to hear it. This triggers me. We, we just make that gap bigger. Um, and it's like, what, what, you know, instead of stopping and looking and being like, all right, what is going on? Like, how come I can't manage my emotions around my child? Like, what is there? What's going on? And oftentimes it's that shame that's stopping us because we feel shame around that. We feel shame that we can't manage our emotions um, and, or we feel shame around, you know, something that happened or whatever around that trigger or what that particular trigger means to us. And shame is amazing at stopping us in our tracks and basically making us do the opposite of what we want. Um, I'm sure that everyone knows this and has had this particular experience. And we have talked a little bit more about shame in our Stress and Parenthood episode all the way back in episode six. So if that's something that's like, oh, this is interesting, um, there's definitely some more more topical coverage on shame specifically in that episode. Yes. And um, I do want to point out that that mom who um, posted that, you know, I think she was showing so much courage to speak out and acknowledge the shame that she was feeling in response to that post. I feel like she took that like extra step to make that or is able right now with her emotional state to make that extra connection between that was triggering her. Oh, wow. That's triggering me because I'm feeling shameful. And I think that step is so important. And now, now it's almost talking about like, okay, now what's the next step is like, okay, what can we do about it? But it's like making those connections of like, oh, like I feel triggered because I'm feeling shame is so important. So Whenever I'm talking about shame, I always go back to Brene Brown because she is literally the shame researcher. And so I just wanted to read her definition of shame. Again, we're not going to delve a whole bunch into shame, but just to kind of bring everyone up to date on that. Um, hers is, um, she says, she, I define shame as the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. Um, something we've experienced, done or failed to do makes us unworthy of connection. So it's really just that feeling of unlike unworthiness. I am not enough. And if you haven't read her work, if this, if what we're talking about right now seems new to you, like I cannot recommend her work enough. And I definitely recommend at least watching her TED Talks. She has amazing books out there. Um, you know, one of the most dangerous things about shame though is how hidden it is, not only in our culture, but also like in ourselves, like when we don't recognize our own shame. Um, because recognizing our own shame is the only way we can really move forward and out of it. And again, I'm just kind of urging everyone to like the next time you get that emotional trigger, oftentimes it's because it's unearthed some um, shame in, in us. And that is not the case for every trigger. I just want to say that like, there are probably tons of times that we get triggered that it's not about shame, but many times it's about shame. So I'm talking again, specifically about those times. And I do want to make a quick sort of differentiation here. There is a difference between shame and guilt. And mm -hmm. this is something that Brene Brown goes into quite a bit as well. And and I think it's important to note the difference. So shame is a self-blame, essentially. It's like, I am 
Like, I have a fault. Like, I, at the root of me, is a flaw. Whereas guilt is, oh, this crappy thing happens. This kind of sucks. Like, I feel bad that this thing happened. But it is not challenging the core of who you are. So she talks about how guilt can be a great precursor to change if we feel guilty that, oh man, our kid, like, oh man, these, I have not been, this, like, these dinners have just been, you know, not the best these, these past couple of weeks, and you feel a little bit guilty about that, then you might be like, oh, you know what, I'm going to stock the fridge with a few other things so I feel a little better about the dinners that we've been eating, versus, I'm a terrible parent, I don't know how to feed my kids, I'm just, I'm just horrible. That is the difference between shame and guilt, and what in my mind, these triggers are the ones that sort of go and they, they attack you at your core. They make you feel that like intense, burning, uncomfortable, like I want to jump out of my skin feeling um, is really what we're what we're looking for. Now, I mean, you can have a trigger that is a guilt trigger like, oh, oh, I forgot to do like, oh, you know, um, oh, crap, it was Philly's day at school. I forgot to put my kid in a Philly's shirt. I feel kind of guilty that I forgot. But, like, people forget. So I don't feel like I... Like, I'm not a bad person because I forgot. I just feel guilty about it. So so that... that Just wanted to make that differentiation. Totally. And I think that is such an important one. And I think sometimes guilt can turn into shame. Like, oh, I forgot Philly's thing. And therefore, I'm a really bad parent. Like, now, now you just, you know, it's gone into shame. But when you keep it in that... Oh, I just forgot. It makes, it allows you to like then take action on it. Like, oh, next time I better write an event like that on the calendar. Cool. You know, and even if you forget again, it's like, all right, whatever. It's cool. And it's a t-shirt. Like we'll get over it, whatever. So yeah, I think that's super important. Um, And I think the reason talking about shame is also so important is like mom shaming, mom guilt. Like again, the line, I think, or whatever, I'm not even gonna go go there. Um, But so mom shaming is just such a, a big thing in today's culture. And I think our own shame can perpetuate mom shaming and for other moms. So I think the more we can recognize it in ourselves and just start with ourselves, the more we can tackle mom shaming as a culture. Because when I think a lot of times our response to feeling shamed is to shame back. So let's say mom's like, oh my God, let me share this amazing recipe that I make, blah, blah, blah. And like you hear the recipe and it like is totally a huge amount of prep and work. And you immediately feel shame that you know there's no way you're going to do that or have time to fit that in. So like in your head or maybe even verbally might say something back to this mom of like, you know, oh, wow, like that's so great that you can fit that in. But wow, when do you actually spend time with your kids when you're, you know, spending all this time prepping your food? You know what I mean? It like just turns into this like, cycle of shaming and like this like response to other moms and it's just like everyone's just freaking different what they're capable of doing is completely different there's zero right or wrong everyone's lives are different their children are different so like it's it's just not about that it's just being like oh that's interesting that you can do that cool Hmm, that's not going to fit into my life but i can do it this way neat let's move on you know and so we kind of stop that cycle of of shaming, but first you have to realize it because that's the only way we can kind of control that then judgmental back shaming comment. So, um, 
I wanted yeah, to make a quick note, and, and I, I'm curious on your thoughts on this. So, yes, I totally understand how, you know, people post like, okay, let's say uh, the cleanest, you know, clean house award, and you're like, well, how did how did anyone have time to do that? Well, there's also, I feel like, the other end of the spectrum of like the post that I'm eight cups of coffee in and there's Legos all over the floor and mascara's running down my face and it's like hot mess award and I almost feel like sometimes that opposite end can also be a little bit triggering because it's like wait I feel like I have it together am I doing something wrong if like if people, other people think parenting's like this. So I don't think that these emotional triggers always have to be observing like someone winning. And I don't think people should be afraid of sharing your wins. I think when you like think about social media, like people choose exactly what they want to share. Depending on a person's personality, they're going to show like either all the really good things or potentially all the really bad things. You don't often get people to follow that you get like a nice mix of like, well, this is going great, or this was one of those rough days, especially in a public profile. Like maybe your close friends that just, you know, share things with their other close friends, you might see a little bit of everything. Like, oh my God, look, look what Susie did. And oh my gosh, Janie did that. Like, you know, it might be in the same two posts from somebody, but you just have to make a note. And, and we've talked about social media before. And um, I think one of the things that you have to do when looking at your shame triggers, like, yes, I think that you are your emotional triggers. You should say, okay, why am I getting triggered for this? And if it's a person you're following that you're continuously getting triggered from, unfollow them. I feel like this is like social media, like, uh, discussion of like, just stop there. There is no need. It's like, you know what? I know I've got baggage around this that I might need to deal with on my own, but like, it's sort of like following, um, bodybuilders. It's like, if I see, there's no reason I have no interest. Like it doesn't really trigger me anymore. I just have no interest in seeing like, uh, people in tiny, uh, tiny swimsuits with like 17, a 17 pack. Like I, I, like, I don't carry, it doesn't trigger me, but I don't carry either way, but it could be a triggering thing. So don't follow them. It's not motivating. Just, just stop. Totally. Yes. And yeah, I mean, yeah, we've talked about that. Just unfollow people who are constantly triggering you. It's not like you need to sit here and like analyze your feelings on, well, let me follow these things that I am fervently against and let me manage my emotions, which you could like from an emotional standpoint, but like, why the hell would you do that to yourself? That's just unnecessary. So yeah, like what I, uh, what I wanted to like focus on is like the things that are like, I actually kind of want to be that parent or I would like my house to be cleaner or like, yeah, actually it would be nice if I could make dinner every night. And it's like, you're kind of getting triggered by these things. And it's like accentuating this gap between that knowing and doing, um, or, you know, again, it's like any parenting you post, you read, it's like triggering you and making you feel unworthy. It's like these kind of deep things that are just very common, a common thread. I think those are the things that are really worth examining. Um, and you made a comment of, you know, the eight cups of coffee in and whatnot. And I had another example of a post that could be like very triggering for some people is like, I saw one of those posts that's like, you know, please excuse our messy house. We're busy making memories. And then there's like all these comments with some of, you know, people are like, amen. Yeah, exactly. And then like, there's other comments that are like, wait, so if I have a clean house, that means I'm not making memories. You know what I mean? So it's like, 
these moms are getting triggered by that. And, you know, the thing is, is it doesn't matter if your house is messy or clean. There is no right or wrong. Both people can make memories and like live the life in the way that they want to and the way that works for them. However, if something like that is triggering you, it's kind of like, all right, what's going on? So the moms that are being triggered by the whole, um, like, you know, that feel that comment is triggering them. It's probably for a few reasons. One, they might feel that maybe they're not making the memories they want to. Maybe, maybe they are cleaning so much that they are missing out, you know, and that, so that triggers them. Or maybe they have these extremely high expectations of what their memories, you know, should be. And so it's triggering for that because they're not like meeting their own, like in their head expectations. So you can see there's no right or wrong. There could be this whole spectrum that for any one individual, like the work that they need to do is very different from a mindset perspective. So for one mom, they might need to like step back and be like, oh yeah, I have like ridiculously high expectations. That's silly. Like I'm looking around and everything we're doing is awesome. Like, never mind. Like we're cool. Like we're good. We're making the memories I want to be making. And for another mom, it might be like, oh, wow. Yeah, I just spent five hours today cleaning and tidying up my kids. And I feel like I missed out on everything they did to did today. Like, oh, I should look into that. You know what I mean? So it could be this huge different spectrum of why someone gets triggered by a post. And this is all very individual work. Um, so we can't like make any assumptions about why we're triggered or what's going on. And when we dig into ourselves to uncover those things we can learn a lot and it's going to make our life so much better because when we are constantly getting triggered and having these little triggers, it makes us feel bad about ourselves. Um, I love Brene's Brown's quote on this. And she says, only when we are brave enough to explore the darkness, will we discover the infinite power of our light. And I think that like quote is just speaks for so much because going there and going into this emotional triggering and figuring out why oftentimes uncovers darkness and it feels kind of almost worse before it feels better. It feels better to just stay triggered and push it away and to kind of blame it on the other person or, you know, shame the other person back. Then sometimes it feels to start delving into our own minds and emotions because that can get really scary in our brains. <laughs> um, but truly, unless we do that, we cannot, you know, take that next, next step on our healing journey. Um, most things that we're, oh, go ahead, Beth. Oh, I was just, I wanted to, to give a little kind of non-parenting example of, of triggering. And, and this might be a controversial topic, but I think it's, it's really important and really uh, true to my heart. So I follow a couple of, a few activists, um, racial activists, and I don't know if there's any other type of activists, but that's what we're going, <laughs> just wanted to clarify here. And uh, one of the people I really respect and feel like she gives so much is Rachel Cargill. And she does a huge lecture series called Unpacking White Feminism. And her posts are triggering because they are calling out uh, societal norms. And there is definitely, she gets a lot of backlash and like, hey, can't you say these things a little bit nicer and all of this? But But her point is that you feeling triggered, that's going to make you take action. Like, 
if I'm like, oh, let me just sugarcoat this and it's okay that you suppressed my ancestors and are still suppressing me. Like, I know that we're all just trying to be one happy family. Like, you wouldn't do anything about it. But and she's calling you out saying like, hey, you're white, you're privileged, no matter what social class you're in, like, deal with it. Like, yeah, I get it. I'm a privileged white female. Like, I know that. And now following her and feeling some of those triggering emotions and like that little bit of uncomfortableness is like, oh, I need to do a little bit more. I'm not doing enough to be like being not a racist is not enough. Like being anti-racist is like an actively anti-racist is where society needs to go. So looking at these triggers from a, okay, I'm going to take action. Like, all right, this is triggering and we've decided that it's not a, you know, uh, like a bodybuilder triggering kind of a thing. It's like, okay, this is a societal concern for me or a household concern for me that it's like, no, I don't want my child to be experiencing this. This is why I'm feeling this emotion. I'm going to take action. So those triggers, like you don't just have to unfollow them. I sort of, for me, if I'm in a not as great emotional state, like I just don't read some of her posts because I'm like, you know what? I'll come back to them later. They're really good and I want to learn from them, but I'm just not going to do it right now because I want to see like pretty flower pictures instead. So I just pick and choose that a little bit and I am fortunate enough to be able to do that. But over time, I've decided, okay, I'm not going to unfollow. I'm going to keep it there and I'm going to learn and I'm going to explore and I'm going to I'm going to do something about this. I love that so much and I love that example and I want you to send me that hurt because I want to follow her now. Um, because yeah, that's like a super uncomfortable territory for a lot of us. <laughs> and I think that's such a great point about like not just unfollowing. It's like, let's go there. Let's figure that out. And I think this is where basically it's like these emotional triggers and almost, I mean, they can help us. It's like they can advance us and move us forward. And I think figuring out when it's delving into that shame piece and then stopping that. You know what I mean? It's like, this doesn't have to be shame. Like this is just bringing attention. This doesn't make you a bad person, Beth, because you didn't understand your white privilege. Like, no, it's just like, oh, I didn't know that. Like I had no, like, that's how, I mean, I follow a few things like that too. And it's like, there's a lot of things that I'm just like completely oblivious to. And, and it doesn't make you a bad person. doesn't make me a bad person. (laughs) And so I don't need to go into shame about it. Do sometimes I, when I read some things, yeah, absolutely. And then it's about like, okay, let's control it. Let's, let's figure out because shame again is never productive. So it's like, let's pull it out of shame and figure out what, you know, then how I can move forward from it. But it's like, yeah, you have to go there, but you have to recognize when that shame is happening um, and, and whatnot. And so I do think a lot of shame Many times, again, not in every case at all, but many, many times is in some way limited to limiting beliefs. And so we've talked about limiting beliefs. We have a whole episode on that. And limiting beliefs is like an ongoing lifelong work that anyone needs to do or everyone needs to do. And it's like, you never get rid of all your limiting beliefs. So it's not like, oh, well, I've already worked through all mine. I'm good. No, that not work that way, unfortunately. So 
since that's a very long episode in itself or not very long episode, like, you know, that's a whole topic in itself. I'm not going to go into that, but if you're kind of like, okay, great. So I do feel shame around this and I want to do it. What the hell do I do? I recommend then going and listening to the limiting beliefs episode, because that's going to help maybe get identify what limiting belief is there. And that way you can work around that. So many of my shame triggers at the heart. And I would say this is I mean, this it's in the definition itself are kind of go into that. Like, I am not worthy. I am not enough. I am not important type of limiting belief. So working through the limiting belief exercise we talked about and worksheet that you can find in relation to that episode is going to be really helpful. And I also wanted to encourage you to use Beth and I like jump on a free consultation call with us, like make an appointment, like let's talk this out because I know personally, I have my own life coach that I need her to help pull out my limiting beliefs and my shame. Like when you are sometimes stuck in it, you do not see it. (laughs) Like just how it works. You're just smack in the middle of it. So you can't see it. And so sometimes getting help um, through a life coach or someone who works with these kinds of things can be, I mean, just infinitely helpful to making your life so much better because when we can uncover these things and are not feeling stuck in shame um, and getting triggered all the time, it just really makes life a whole lot, a whole lot better in my opinion. <laughs> and the other important thing is that, and Brene Brown talks about this in her work a lot is shame feeds on not being talked about. So if you feel this emotion and you just are like, you know what, I'm going to bottle it up and I'm not going to do anything about it. That is, is like the best way to make like your shame grow and expand and just make you feel so much worse. So even if you're like, no, I don't feel like I need to like call someone or talk to us and I fully support it. I'm just a terrible marketer. Um, but sometimes you just have a friend. You can be like, oh my gosh, I saw this post the other day and it just made me feel like a terrible person. And you want to tell that to the person that's like, dude, that would make me feel like crap too. Like, like that can mm-hmm. just be like, oh, like I, that, that can give you empathy. Oh, maybe we'll talk about empathy. I want to talk about empathy. <laughs> okay. Um, that was good. So anyways, but just like, just live it with somebody else and just like tell them like, oh, I'm, you know, feeling the shame storm. Like this is happening and it sucks. And they're like, yes, it totally sucks. Like been there. Yes. Done that. Yes. All right. Let's move on. And then it's like, okay, cool. I got it. Peace out. Yes. And I, yeah. And I love that moment of feeling it, you know, maybe even together with someone else. Like that part is important because it's like, we can almost have shame about feeling shame. Like, oh shit, I'm not supposed to have shame. Shame is bad. No, no, no. Like you're going to have shame. Like it's again, we can't like live a life without shame. At least I don't think we can. And I know like Brene Brown talks about still having shame and she's a freaking shame researcher, you know, like you like it's going to happen. It's just what you do with it. That's so important. I love Beth's emphasis on feeling it and talking about it and, you know, bringing it forward because that's so true. Like you really cannot get rid of it. And then I wanted to say one more thing. You, Beth, you said something earlier about how you like that feeling you get when you have shame. I kind of forget how you described it, but you described it in like something like tearing out your skin or something like that. (laughs) And so I think for everyone, they kind of, we have this like body feeling that we get when we feel shame. Like for me, I just feel this like giant, like rock in my chest and my face flushes. Like I feel like I, you know, I'm probably like look like a tomato. I don't actually, but that's what it feels like. And so when we can recognize those body triggers, 
that we feel, it can, it can help us be like, oh, this is shame. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this is where I am because I don't know about you, but like for me, whenever I feel that it's like this huge rush of insanely intense, insanely challenging, like emotions. And I think before I started to like, just correlate. All right. When I feel this, this is shame. It was like, what is happening to me? And it was just all these super confusing emotions. And I like, didn't know where to go with it. And I like, didn't know how to handle it. But now it's like, okay, I'm in shame. All right. Like, this is where I am. All right. I'm here. And now I can try to do something about it. So just start to notice like what you're feeling in your body. And like, when you're like, what you feel in response to things, because I think it can be really helpful to be like, okay, cool. This is where I am. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. Define your own shame feeling. For me, it's like claustrophobia, except that I don't actually have claustrophobia. (laughs) All right. Well, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for joining us today. Follow us on social media for news updates and calls for questions. You can find me, Beth, at Pizza Real Eats and Andrea at Dr. Andrea Moore on Instagram and Facebook. Please subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode and write us a review. Show notes for this episode and all podcast-related information can be found at realmomsreallife.com.